Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, it is our sometimes shorter, uh, but more condensed uh, podcast where we pretty much entirely focus on the next week's opponent. Uh, this will be a Northern Illinois preview, uh, but pretty interesting opponent, a team that kind of uh, mirrors Florida State when it comes to some of its strengths and weaknesses, and uh, two teams that kind of match up. Uh, it, it'll be be interesting to see how these two teams match up, because what one is good at, uh, the other seems to be decent, and where they're both kind of really poor uh, who knows who's going to win that battle. So, as always, want to thank Louisiana Hot Sauce for being there with us, whether we're doing uh, game previews or uh, question and answer podcast or anything else. They've been a fantastic partner for three years. Thank you so much to those of you who have supported them, whether it's been a purchase in the store or a mention on Twitter or anything else. Uh, it's just been a great relationship for both parties involved, and they are and continue to be the uh, driving force behind the Nolcast. So, Bud, with that... Let's jump into a little uh, NIU hokey talk. All right. So the NIU Huskies here are Huskies. Excuse Huskies. me. Sorry. Huskies. I, I, I thought we were going to edit that out, but we can also. Here I was the one bragging about having been to DeKalb, <laughs> Illinois, and I butchered their damn mascot 80 <laughs> seconds into the podcast. Edgar, so. remember, she's already lost to the Hokies <laughs> one time this year. I, I, don't think, I don't think they want any more of that. Yeah, that's true. Hokie's not really a real common uh, name for teams either, so I'm not sure what my brain exactly was uh, processing there. But uh, nonetheless, we'll we'll jump into this uh, Northern Illinois preview. Oh, man. Well, hey, you know what? We're not the only one with a false start tonight. Uh, the Browns look like they two-hopped their bubble screen on the first, first play of the game. So, um, heck, you know, if we can have a false start, the NFL teams can too. As usual with the previews, we like to start uh, – we like to start kind of very wide and, and then get get more down in the nitty gritty. So for those of y'all who don't know, uh, NIU is not some FCS team. They are a legitimate D1, not D1AA, FBS team. Uh, they play in the MAC, which is the Mid-American Conference, and they are one of the better teams in the MAC on a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, so pretty good, pretty good program there. Obviously, Florida State played them in the 2012 Orange Bowl and uh, and handled them pretty well. Uh, they're obviously not not a, a you know, same caliber program that Florida State is, but uh, but they, they do a good job in their league. Right now, they have a one and two record, um, so not very good. Florida State also has a one and two record, not very good. Uh, their win expectancies here, I always like to look at these because these give you a better idea of kind of what happened in the game than just the, the final score uh, against Iowa. Granted, Iowa had a couple suspensions in that game. It was uh, 49%. So they played basically played Iowa fairly even at times. Uh, 33% against Utah. And then most recently, uh, 37% at Central Michigan. But they got the win despite being only 37% in the uh, Pythagorean win expectancy column. That's a mouthful. But uh, Ingram, that number kind of caught my eye because Central Michigan is terrible. Kansas blew them out. I mean, Kansas beat those guys like – 30-something to 7. Um, and so NIU went up there and won. Uh, the line for this game is Florida State by 10, if you can, can believe that. Vegas so that's Brown been thinks, pretty consistent throughout the week. Uh, interesting. It opened at 12. I know some guys who might have jumped on that right when it opened at 12, taking NIU, figuring that would get bet down. And then I saw a couple nines um, earlier this week. So, But for the most part, 10 has been been fairly consistent, yes. Um the over-under is 44 or 45, depending on where you look. So if you do the quick math on that, it's basically Vegas expecting like a 
17 type ball game, uh, which, hey, Vegas apparently has caught on that Florida State might not score 30 points in a D1 game this year. And uh, we also have a, have a quick note about the weather. Hot, real hot. Potential of uh, 100 degrees plus during game time. Yeah, man, it was it was uh, it was wild seeing that today. We have a couple of meteorologists in our, our Tomahawk Nation Slack room, and uh, they're all like, "Oh yeah, by the way, uh, it might be 100 plus degrees, and the heat index is definitely going to be over 100." So, um, you know, and enjoy this one. <laughs> and our, our photographer was like, "Wait, what?" So I don't have any photos we're going to have of uh, of this game. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I do wonder, just before we get into the offensive, the defensive breakdown, I wonder how well a team from, from DeKalb, Illinois, is going to um, gonna handle this kind of heat. I'm guessing probably not super well. Impossible to replicate anything. Uh, you know, obviously, that's a, that's a really impactful, knowledgeable comment from myself that uh, uh, something like that you can't really practice for. You can hydrate. You can tell yourself you're as prepared as possible. But – uh, just hard to know how a team like that's going to respond. And uh, you would think that that would be advantageous for Florida State. And at this point, Florida State will gladly take any type of advantage, uh, how how big or small it may be. And uh, interesting, you know, interesting series of, uh, of pluses and minuses scattered throughout the roster. But uh, Florida State, uh, if, it, if it means that they have to go two and two because – Maybe the other team wasn't quite as well to, prepared to deal with the heat. I think that's something that uh, the team, the coaches, and the fan base at this point would uh, gladly accept. Uh, yeah, I don't think FSU fans care how a win comes at this point. Um, that's that's totally cool. All right, so let's get into this. Northern Illinois' offense against Florida State's defense. Uh, Ingram, where does Northern Illinois' offense rank? Well, uh about as about as bad as as poor as you could possibly chart at this point. Uh, I think it's what 128th out of 130 teams somewhere in that area. <laughs> if you're one of the hundred, if you're like the 129th or 130, you have like, man, you know, it, NIU fans are out there thinking, God, thank God for UTEP, right? I mean, I, I think UTEP is pretty unanimously the worst offense in the country, but this is close. I mean, these guys are are close. Uh, look. Legitimately, and Florida State's defense so far in the early S and P rankings, twenty uh, third. So one hundred twenty eighth versus twenty third. I'm sensing an advantage here, Ingram, for uh, for Florida State side. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> when I said that these two teams are similar, like you could look at NIU's offense, see some of the things that they want to do as far as motion. You'll see some jet sweeps, maybe some run pass option, uh, but they have really struggled uh, with play at the quarterback position, maybe even significantly more so uh, than Florida State at this point. Their quarterback, and trust me, when it comes to uh, when it comes to stats and things like that, I, uh, I more or less always uh, yield to you and assume that you're correct. But when we started talking about a quarterback that has 4.3 yards in attempt, uh, that was that was a number that even I had to double check. That's that's hard to wrap your mind around. That that's uh, something that you're looking at after three games. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's really bad. Uh, 4.3 yards in attempt is uh, second worst in the nation. Again, thank God for you, Tab. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they they really struggle to move the football. I mean, that's 
not surprising. 76 passes for 325 yards. That's, uh, I mean, oh, that is really bad. They they are more of a running offense, thank God, because uh, otherwise I would just feel like extra bad for their fans. They'll use a lot of motion, a lot of jets, you know, jet sweep action, a lot of RPO game. Not not that they're actually that good at it, but you know, they they that's what they want to do. You, you can kind of see what the design is of their offense. They want to run the football. They are definitely a run first offense. They're going to run it about sixty three percent of the time so far on standard downs, which we know to be you know first and ten, second and seven, third and, and four or less, those type of things, uh, which is. is you know, fairly run heavy, but here's something very interesting here. We know they have a mobile quarterback. They actually run the ball 44% of the time on long down and distance. So third and five plus, second and eight plus. That's something this Florida State defense is going to have to be on the lookout for because it seems like Northern Illinois knows that they just really aren't very good at passing the ball at all. And they're totally cool with just running it, you know, on third and 10, maybe getting six or seven yards on a QB draw. And punting, or who knows, maybe they'll actually pop one, you know? Uh, so something to watch for there for sure, and uh, and, and definitely not uh, not something that can be ignored. I'm interested to see, because Florida State has been so aggressive with the blitz game, how much do you think they'll blitz this Northern Illinois team compared to maybe some of the other offenses they've seen? It's a good question. I mean, the defense, when we were saying that this would be like the modern evolution of a Mickey Andrews defense, we weren't joking. It is... Maybe even more aggressive than I would thought it would, than I thought it would be uh, during the period of time where we were kind of going through and doing these uh, preview series. That seems to be what they want to do. That seems to be kind of the identity that they're at times trying to create. Uh, but I would, you know, look if you've got a guy that's uh, that's performing as poorly as he is, I, and and we do continue to blitz, I would be uh, just from some general perspective i would be more interested in seeing what we have as far as run blitzes going i would i would hate to uh gift this kid an opportunity when he's otherwise probably not going to uh you know consistently matriculate the ball down the field i i think that makes a lot of sense i run blitzing on early downs yeah passing downs i don't know i might just let the uh i might let the defensive line just try to do its work this this may be one of the games that they blitz uh less often than normal but I guess we'll have to see. Maybe you keep a guy back there uh, to spy a little bit. Their running backs are pretty good. Uh, Trey Harbison has over seven yards of carry this year, and again, that's against pretty good defenses. Uh, Jordan Nettles not bad. He's like four or five ish range, I, I think. So they they do get it done with the running back position pretty well. In addition to you know, they actually make the defense respect the quarterback quarterback's legs, which uh, is legal, I guess. Um, anyway. Uh, and here's something kind of odd. You know, they don't actually get stuffed at the line of scrimmage that much. They, they, the, their thing is they just they can't get any explosive plays. It's not like they're always behind. They're not always in in second eleven and third and ten and stuff. It just seems like they cannot hit explosive plays, especially with the pass game. Um, even with all the play action stuff they do, they've just not been able to do it so far. Some of that's probably a little bit random, but still, man, they're 130th out of 130 in passing explosiveness. So they have not been able to hit big plays with this passing game. 103rd in rushing explosiveness, that's still, you know, bottom fifth. But, uh, but man, 130th in passing explosiveness. Like, they, 
they don't seem to be able to do much there. No, no, they don't seem to be able to do much of anything there. Um, so it's uh, it's really interesting. They don't seem to have a, an explosive component, whether it be through the air or through the ground, and they don't really have uh, somebody that you would be particularly afraid of, of like going up and bailing you out of a, a bad situation because of their size or if you need to throw it up on third and long or – try to take advantage of a mismatch in the red zone it's a it's an offense that you would think uh that you would think florida state would be able to design a game plan around that would be able to uh continue to continue to uh have them rank in in some of these lower you know five and ten percent of uh of overall national stats so uh hope that the defense continues to play at a high level and by all accounts, with the opponent that they're facing, they it's it's a pretty reasonable expectation to uh, think that they would. Yeah, man, I, I'm interested to see as well. How much press do you play in this game? You know, do, do you want to let these guys challenge you deep, or do you want to uh, uh, do you want to kind of give them the short stuff? To me, that'll be very interesting because they have had such a problem with the explosive plays. You know, if you challenge these guys. Certainly there's some risk in that, but you also might be able to get them off the field very quickly and get the ball back uh, to your offense and maybe tire out that Northern Illinois defense in the second half, which uh, um, is probably a good time to transition here. One uh, one final thing I, I'll say before we transition, and I pick this up and I'll give a give a cheap plug to, uh, to the Q&As that you guys do over at Tomahawk each week. Um, Dylan Klein is somebody that does those and always does them at a high level. Something I enjoy reading. Uh, the guy that he had secured from Northern Illinois made a interesting comment that at times the offense will come out and have uh, some small amounts of success originally, but they don't really make any kind of adjustments, or at least they haven't so far. And, and their, uh, their meager statistical output as it is, uh, is is humble in the first half, but absolutely – absolutely kind of falls off a cliff in the second half so uh, just one kind of final seed to plant in the back of your mind uh when you when you think about what you might see out of their offense come on saturday all right bud we'll uh take this moment real quickly to thank our friends at the for the table restaurant group really since uh their uh original year and their original partner with us they've uh emerged and they do a great job and a it's a great atmosphere and they provide you know, kind of an upscale pub grub, and it's just a, a nice product with nice service and a real high level of consistency. But what kind of makes them different is they just they get the fan base, for lack of better words, and they've uh, done just an incredible job of kind of weaving themselves into the experience that is uh, being a Florida State athletics fan. So uh, always unique and creative in what they came uh, what they come up with. They had something that I think they'll be passing out on uh, on Friday and maybe some Saturday. Uh, it's the Willie Prayer, and it is quite funny. Uh, oh, Willie, our Willie, excuse me, uh, who art in end zones, Taggart be thy name, thy touchdown runs that must be done on grass as it is in Doe Campbell. Give us this Saturday our weekly game and forgive us our O-line as we forgive Francois for being sacked again and again. And lead us not into more losses, but deliver us a bowl game. For thine is the Madso, the BLT, and the unconquered spirit forever and ever. Amen. So uh, just something unique and creative and not something that you'd see from some national chain or uh, anything like that. And just people that we're very fortunate to be able to partner with and uh, look forward to working with uh, for, for many years yet to come. 
Absolutely, man. They're they're a great partner and uh, look, great food, great drinks, great fun. Go check them out next time you're in Tallahassee and expanding throughout the state. So uh, thanks for y'all who caught the uh, Simpsons reference last time about our, our new uh, Madso overlords. And uh, yeah, go see Madso. Great partner. And hopefully uh, you guys can have something to celebrate there this weekend in Tallahassee and get a Nolcast Bloody Mary at brunch on Sunday. Also, uh, their receivers aren't very big. Um, so in the past, we've seen some big receivers kind of moss some of these shorter TVs. At least, you know, the Fatek had a catch or two. Syracuse had a catch or two. Um, their receivers are like 5'9 and 5'11, so probably won't see that same type of thing there. Um, all right, I guess we will transition here to the Northern Illinois defense. And Ingram, much of the same. Uh, basically, if you just want to flip what we just said, uh, <laughs> you could kind of just switch the words and we could wrap this thing up early tonight if you wanted to. But – but we won't because the, the way that they, that they get things done uh, is, is differently. But the, but the results that they produce, both FSU's offense and Northern Illinois' defense, are kind of similar. Um, FSU's offense, 117th. Amazing that there are 13 offenses worse than this, but apparently. And uh, Northern Illinois' defense, ele- or a 13th. So that is, uh, that's very impressive right there. 13th rate rated defense so far. Man, they've done a great job. They 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 make life hell for everybody, pretty much. They really do. They've got a. I mean, they've got a hell of a defensive line, and not just uh, statistically. They have four legit players. The the most uh, obvious of which is the Sutton Smith kid, who I think leads, or, or at least last year led the nation in pretty much any stat that you could want to, um, whether it be tackles for loss, sacks. QB pressures, QB hurries. I mean, he is uh, he's a ridiculous player. And, and like I said, it's it's not just him. Uh, they have a um, absurdly strong defensive line that is not huge. Like if, if you see these, if you do decide to braid the hundred degree weather and and you go out and you watch the game in Tallahassee on Saturday, they may not blow you away in in walkthroughs. They may not blow blow you away in warmups. They're not massive in size, but they. Uh, they are real quick, uh, penetrate, play on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and Florida State's offensive line is is uh, more than going to have their hands full. Yeah, they will, man. They they really want to shoot gaps. They, they they unlike their offense, which seems like like they struggle despite not allowing that many tackles for loss. Uh, their their defense does thrive on really being hyper aggressive up front. They really want to shoot gaps. Uh, they'll give up some. Big runs because of that, but not a ton because they, they do seem like like they drop a whole lot of guys in coverage. They they don't blitz a whole lot. They are going to basically re- rely on this defense uh, to get teams off schedule. You know, you have like you said Sutton Smith, who's a total stud. And I'm sure we'll, we'll just give FSU fits all day. Um, probably the best defensive end Florida State has faced this year. I mean, definitely one of the best ones they'll they'll face all year because he's he's a national guy. Uh, other defensive linemen to look out for. Matt Lorbeck has done a nice job for them. Quentin Wynn, Ben Leroy, all guys who I think will will be trouble uh, for FSU up front. Um, we have to see how Florida State's offensive line looks in this game. Recent results have not filled me with confidence about this group. Um, now, I tell you, man, I, I was kind of heartened to see Coach Taggart go over there in that uh, Tuesday or Wednesday practice, whatever day it was, and spend a, a you know 
a lot of a lot of practice time coaching those offensive linemen. Like that's coaching, man. That's that's saying, hey, I'm I want to, you know, hashtag do something about this if we can. And 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 I don't trust the pro football focus grades necessarily in the college ranks. Uh, I, I do in, in in the NFL because of how they can get the all twenty two film and and some other things. But uh, you, you can't have a tackle grade out of zero. zero. I had a feeling a that's zero. where you're going with that. Yeah, literally, yeah. you and I could not have been worse. Goose egg. I mean, now right now, I'm not saying we would have been better. Probably not, but we definitely would not have been worse because it is impossible to do worse than zero on a zero to 100 scale because you cannot score in the negatives. So I am projecting improvement by Florida State's line over that zero score from the tackle position uh, in this ballgame. Now, will that improvement actually show up and be noticeable? Maybe not because the step up in competition is very real. Syracuse's defensive line is not any good. Northern Illinois' defensive line is surprisingly uh, very good, and so that that's something uh, definitely want to watch for. But they uh, they they do a, a really nice job up front. I, I think that the other thing you got to do. Well, there's a couple things that I think you need to do. They they all they're also a good tackling team, so it's going to be important to be patient this week. And part of that patience is taking what's there from the defense. If I was Florida State this week, I would have worked a lot on short throws because this defense. While they're very aggressive up front, they do seem to play their DBs off some. And uh, and they're willing to concede some of these shorter throws to you. You need to be accurate, and, and you need to take those short throws. And when, when those short throws are screens, the receivers need to block for each other. That's going to be really important in this game. Again, another area in which Florida State has not done a very good job uh, to date. So, hey, maybe that will change uh, in this game. But you have to be patient. You have to be able to take your short stuff. Um, you don't want to be in third and long against this team, obviously, because their ability to rush the passer. In the run game, I I would try to run the ball a lot in this game. Um, I think it's important to just keep pounding the ball. We saw in, in the open practice periods this week that they were in a lot more of the, of the pistol looks. Again, I know everybody said that this team doesn't try to make any changes to the offense, no adjustments, et cetera, et cetera. That's really not true. Um what is true is that the adjustments that they made so far have not worked. So if you want to say the adjustments haven't worked, that's accurate. If you want to say they haven't made any changes, that's that's not true. We, we know they came out in a bunch of different stuff at the beginning of the Syracuse game, and it just got blown up immediately. Um, so I, some of the pistol stuff is interesting because of, of where the back's located. It, it may eliminate some of the, the formational tendencies, which can be exploited, especially when your offensive line is this, is this bad. And it also might allow you to get a little more downhill in the run game. We also saw from the drills they've been working a little more under fundamentals, which I don't think they didn't la- or I don't think they didn't rep fundamentals before, right? But I think when your group is this bad, clearly the most benefit could be gained from better fundamentals up front from your reserves. And we'll have to see who plays the tackle positions. Maybe it's Bellow and and Brady Scott. Maybe Juwan Williams. Uh, I don't know, it takes a game to kind of observe the game or something like that and has a little bit of a mental reset. I, I, I don't know that, but I guess we'll have to see who's going to start up front for them. Um, but I do think more double teams it, up front to get some movement at the point of attack are going to be utilized. And clearly, if they're in the pistol, that might give a little more downhill element. And just a, a commitment and sticking to the run 
even if it's not working that well, I think will make sense in this game. It might be really frustrating to watch, but if you think you only need to score like 24 points to win, uh, th then I could see, hey, just, just keep running it. Hopefully you'll pop one or two. Interesting. I mean, uh, <clears throat> it's a it's a pretty pretty simplified game plan against uh, a team like this, and it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating, man. I, I I don't know that this is necessarily the game to uh, to get your offensive line back on track. It's it's really just uh, see how simplified they can make it, and see how many uh, you know see how many plays we can keep from just being completely blown up at the at the point of attack. Um, Bud, anything else you really kind of want to look at as far as the offensive defensive matchup before we move to uh, move to some of the kind of the greater takeaways that might come from this game? Uh, well, we we probably do need to talk a little bit about um, special teams. About special Aaron. teams, I was I was going to have that in my back pocket. There is a uh, there's a <laughs> there's something that Northern Illinois does pretty well that kind of scares me and you don't necessarily have to become some kind of uh you know f well-developed football expert to uh to have a real concern about some uh some big plays that might come in the punt game so i i, I just you know obviously i don't i don't run tomahawk nation anymore like i used to i, I have a managing editor in david visser uh, and so I, I pop in throughout the day and and, and you know, help out where i can and you know, a lot of the sources still will just talk to me and won't necessarily talk to other, other folks. But, you know, David does a lot of our content now, too. And I feel like every uh, every hour he was posting something about how Florida State is, like, dead last in special teams category A or special teams category B. And I was like, guys, this is – wow. I was like, okay, no team has hit fewer field goals uh, among the Power Five uh, as far as, like, when they tried them and – Florida State is like really good at getting their punts blocked and almost blocked. And Northern Illinois is awesome at blocking punts. They got one against Iowa, and they got one against somebody else. They they've always done a pretty good job of that. Did they block one against FSU in the Orange Bowl? Doesn't ring a bell immediately, but uh... I don't know. I'm trying to think back that far. Uh, so look, in a game where there is unlikely to be that many points scored, it is important that you don't get a punt blocked. Because that really could represent a very large total of the overall points scored in the game. You know, like if, if 24 points wins a game, you can't get a punt block. because that, That's almost assuredly going to be points for the opponent. I mean, this is kind of simple stuff, but uh, for Florida State so far this year, special teams have not been so simple. You want an even more disgruntled fan base. Uh, have them sit out in, you know, 98 degrees on metal ble uh, bleachers and and watch Florida State get another first half punt blocked. And uh, it'll be a – it won't be necessarily the, the most uh, fun of atmosphere. So, uh, you know, look, if, if two guys stumbling over a podcast on Thursday night can, can draw concerns about this, obviously Florida State's coaching staff is well aware of it. And uh, it will be interesting to see if there's any kind of modifications – as to what they do in the punt game, or if if uh, if at least they just alter uh, their initial initial approach to blocking, as it doesn't seem just from a layman's perspective that we really leave that, but to maybe the responsibility of five to six people. Well, if you recall, uh, last game the punt protection was so shaky that the head coach, uh, and I think he made the right call on this, to be honest, because of how bad it was. But he took a ton of a ton of flack 
for declining a penalty, uh, which would have allowed them to punt again, and the punt that they accepted was only 28 yards. And it's crazy to me that I'm saying that he made the right call in declining that penalty. What is not cool is the fact that he had to do it because the punt protection was so bad. Uh, so, you know, that is something definitely that that is, is bothersome and should not be happening, right? Like, I, I give this team a huge pass for, for its offense simply because you can't lose basically your four best tackles to injury, transfer, dismissal, otherwise. And then, you know, have even more injuries on top of that. But special teams, I don't think they're running a, a new special team scheme of any type. I don't think that they are uh, doing anything drastic. It's not like they're putting in brand new systems that are wildly different than what they used to do. They really need to be a lot better at special teams immediately. And I don't just mean, obviously, like, look, Guayo missing field goals is one thing. But punt protection is really just about being good at assignments. Occasionally, you will have an opponent make an exceptional play. All right. And I, and I can live with that. Like if a guy just makes an incredible move and, and an all-out dive and tips it. All right. But they've had one block this year, and they've almost had two others blocked. That That is about a season's worth of near misses in three games, and that, that needs to stop. Uh, or they need to make a change on the coaching staff. Like that's something – I'm not into, into letting guys go immediately at all. But at the end of the year, if the special teams don't look better, then I do think you need to make a change there for sure. Uh, so anyway, that's pleasant. Um, you want to go with uh, predictions here? Before we roll into the other other topics, or, or, or what do you want to do? Take, like things you're going to be looking for in the game, because I I want to see Florida State line up better and more consistently. Like like I don't. I had a discussion with a buddy today, and I was like, you know, how will will you judge their progress? And he brought up the point. He's like, look, the offensive line could get better, like literally better, and still look worse because of the fact that they're playing a, a better opponent, right? He said, but you know. How, like who the opponent is does not factor into can you line up correctly and avoid you know alignment penalties or reduce them at least right stuff like that. Um, so th- that's something I'll be looking for. Absolutely, I mean that that has been a phenomenon that is not a, a one year. You know, ha- hasn't just been this year. That's something that's plagued this program for way way too long. It seems. Uh, yeah, would love to see that. Uh, would be. Interesting if any of the fantastic catches that Trey McKitty has a tendency to make, if they could actually count, that would be uh, that would be a big step in the right direction. Uh, I would like to see the wide receivers uh, grow significantly when it comes to some of their responsibilities when the ball's not in their hands. And uh, if uh, twelve is is going to be your quarterback from here on out, I would. Uh, Love to see some progression in him and just making the right reads. Uh, this offense is is always going to be limited for numerous reasons that we've spoken of, predominantly the five guys up front. Uh, but we don't really know what this offense can be until a quarterback starts making the correct read at, uh, at some kind of significant pace higher than that of which we've seen from the first three games. So give me wide receivers that are a little more uh, in tune with the game uh, other than when the ball's being thrown to them. Give me uh, – a unit, like you said, that lines up right and uh, a quarterback who is making strides and making the right reads and getting the most uh, out of himself when it comes to the offense. And I want to, I'm going to introduce a new stat here. It's called the patty cake count, the null cast patty cake count. I want to make sure that you're at least touching the defender who you're supposed to block. 
on every play. Absolutely. I'm not saying you got to block him, yeah. right? Like, hey, baby, baby steps. But last game, there were more, more, more of those. I think there were more than five where the guy was really not touched with two hands. All right, I want to see two hands or one full shoulder, equivalent, of course, put on the guy. Don't let the guy run by you and only like just roughly wave at him. That 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 seems seems problematic to me if you're trying to run an offense. Uh, so let's count that. The, the, let's set the goal at less than five. I want to be able to count. I want to be able to count the patty cake the blocks on one hand, not two. Less than five, basically total blowups. We don't need uh, we don't need any more defensive ends making you know and one mixtapes uh, on their way back to the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, that's uh, saw enough of that last Saturday. So you're right. If we could get two hands on a guy, that would be a, a real step in the right direction. Um, I, I realize that all of what we talked about was on the offensive side of the ball. Anything in particular from the defense? Obviously, that's been a unit that's. Uh, played pretty well and is facing one of the what are the worst units in ball but uh anything that uh that we may look forward and try to try to figure out exactly what this unit will look like uh come saturday well i i do want to see with heat how much they continue to rotate we got to see big rob cooper get in there a little bit uh last uh, last game and that was a cool thing so um you know i'm very excited to see how much they basically how, how much youth do they play on that side of the ball um, I want to make sure they have good communication in the secondary because you don't want to have a situation where uh, where, where you have guys running free, especially in a game like this where, where defense is going to be so important because points are probably going to be pretty precious. Um, and then, like we said, you know how much will they blitz is going to be a thing uh, to look for. And then I want to make sure the run fits are good. You know, like, like this is going to be a game where you're going to have to have to buckle up the chin strap and and tackle a lot because they are going to look to run the ball. Last game. Last two games, really, the opponent was was throwing the ball a whole lot, and this is going to be a game where, where, where they're not. They're probably going to run the football a whole heck of a lot. So um, that can be big. And if, by the way, you somehow get up big in this, and I'm not saying you will because it's not easy to score points on this defense, but if you do happen to get up big, uh, this is a game where you could really add to the lead because I, I don't think North Illinois is able to come back on people, not with the way they throw the football. Podcast also brought to you by Resolution Home Loans. That's right. Chad and Shannon run a great no-loan business. They want to get you the best loan possible. We've had, what, I think eight or nine uh, NOLCast listeners get loans to them now, in addition to realtors uh, recommending their clients to Resolution Home Loans. Why are they great? They want to get you a great rate. They want to close you fast with their Almost Home Guarantee Program. And they want to keep you informed throughout the process. It's great customer service. It's not some huge national chain where you're talking to a different person each time. When you call 844-FSU-LOAN or you go to, or, or you go to FSUHomeLoans.com, that's 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com, you're going to hooked up with the same person. You're going to deal with Chad. You're going to deal with Shannon throughout the whole process. That's what makes it great, and, uh, and definitely go check those guys out. You want to jump into predictions at that point? Yeah, we'll do predictions. You want to go first? You want to go second? Uh, man, I've I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll let you uh, let you go second. I have bounced back and forth all day on this. I uh, I want to choose Florida State. I also think I'm being naive to uh, to have faith in in this offensive line, particularly with the defensive line they're going to face. But 
with such a uh, historically poor unit on the other side of the field when it goes to NIU's offense and the heat, uh, I think I'm I'm going to end up going with Florida State and uh, looking at something like uh, 28 to 17. That's uh, that's pretty close to where I was was going to go. Um, I I think I'm going to go 24 17, um, which is a little bit lower scoring. I 28 to me with his offense. I man, I'm very much in show me like prove it mode. I I cannot trust at this point that they're uh, um, that they're going to score 28, but maybe they will, and maybe part of that will just be the field position that you get resulting from. Um, from NIU's rather poor offense. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I think 24-17-ish is, is where where I want to be. But, look, it is very possible that that this could be a thing that ends up like, you know, 31-7 because NIU comes down there in the heat. Their offense is totally inept, like much worse than Florida State's is even potentially. And, uh, and, and, and the stuff just piles on, maybe a defensive score or something. It's also possible that Florida State's offense doesn't improve at all, that the offensive line is still terrible, and that they only score like 10, and NIU wins like 12 to 10, Ooh. Mm. which would be, yeah. That'd be, a, I'm, that'd, that'd be a Bud Elliott instant reaction podcast to uh, to remember. And uh, mm, let's hope not. Let's hope. Uh, not that uh, anything's going to be cured by Florida State winning this game, but Let's hope that we're not talking next week at at one and three and a one and three record that that almost feels like zero uh, and four when you when you look at the wins that you've actually gotten in the manner that you have. Um, but I, I think that probably takes us. Uh, I'm just sitting here plugging Tomahawk Nation left, right, and center tonight. But uh, again, really nice article by yourself. Uh, something I enjoyed reading, and it was uh, when Florida State should start playing for next year. Uh, something that we've kind of talked uh, sporadically over the past 10 days or so on this podcast, but uh, uh, just a general broad conversation about Florida State's bowl odds, uh, what they are, and when, in your opinion, you would kind of pull the plug and, and start uh, start playing for 2019 more than 2018. Right. I, I really appreciate the plug on that. And my thing is, look, if there was no bowl streak – if Florida State had not gone to 36 consecutive bowls, the answer is now, right? You do it now. And you basically say, hey, this season is shot. It, it, it's a loss. Going to a bowl is not a big deal. But because of, of the bowl streak, I do think that you need to kind of balance your uh, your goals a little bit. And, and I would say this. I would try to make a bowl still, doing everything I can, within the confines of the offensive system. So if that means switching it up, running more pistol, running more two back, you know, with, with Patrick and Akers, or you know, if, if that means more quick passing or or whatever that means, that's fine. If it means like, hey, get in the eye formation a whole bunch, that that type of stuff, that that doesn't help you in your long term goals as a program, right? That that hurts you because you're not actually developing within the confines of the system that you're installing. Now, I looked at it, and I, I took the S&P Plus and, and the FPI, and, and I asked uh, Rico Bear, uh, one of our, our uh, stats guys on Tomahawk, and said, hey, let me know what the chance that Florida State actually gets to six wins in this. And remember, they do have to win six. They can't win win five. Like, they cannot go to bowl at five and seven, unlike some teams, because under Jimbo Fisher, kids just weren't going to class, and academics were not prioritized, and they are literally dead last in the nation of the Power Five 
in academic progress weight or academic progress rate, which is used to tie break the who gets to go to the poll at five and seven, which is why you always see those teams like Northwestern and whatnot in uh, in those standings and in those bowl games. Um, so the number that spit out was 10%. All right. At 10%, I got to tell you, I would still try for a bowl. And 10% basically means that you you go 5-1 and one at Louisville, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, at NC State, Boston College, and, uh, and Florida. It assumes that you're going to lose Miami, Notre Dame, Clemson, which I think is is pretty fair. Most of us would, would assume that, I, I think. Um, now, once you lose one of those games, I think you do need to probably switch to just a full future approach. And and what that means is if you're a starter, maybe if you're a receiver, right, a guy who thinks he's going to go to the NFL and plays real hard when, when he's got the ball or the ball's coming to him but, but doesn't give a damn about blocking for his teammates and is kind of selfish and pouts on the sideline, you know, maybe he don't play anymore. And some of these guys who are are playing fine through no fault of their own, I do think you need to reduce their – like the seniors, I mean, reduce their playing time a little bit simply to be able to get younger players reps because you need to be able to evaluate them in games and, and give them actual game reps because that might help benefit them in the future. It, it stinks for the seniors on the team, but I, I think that's the best course of action – I just wouldn't do it right now. I, if it's me, I would wait until they lose one more. Because when they lose one more of those games that they basically got to win, then their bowl percentage drops to like 1%, 2%, 3%. And I'm not into playing 101, 101 odds. 10 to 1 is different. A sobering conversation, certainly. <clears throat> um one that we've we've kind of mentioned, wide receiver would would be the easiest position to just go kind of full youth movement, both uh, with some of the talent you have and some of the um, personalities that you have on the roster that are kind of easier to uh, to move on from than others, and and also uh, level of play that you get from them. So um, again. Let's uh let's string this thing out as long as possible and hopefully Florida State gets a win and and this is a conversation that we don't have to uh to talk about next week but it it is something in the back of your mind that you got to have that uh you know winning four four games or uh, five games is really not that big of a difference rather than rather than when you win three or uh two or we're we're not going to start talking about a one win season at this point. So, um, yeah, one win season is not likely. It's let's, just let's uh, be realistic. Here. No. It's just a, a one win season is is not something we'll we'll table that for now. Uh, but what what we don't have to table and and kind of what makes the start to the season even more frustrating is is because you had the same thing happen last year. And really, you had the same thing happen two years ago. You're, you're looking at a fan base that had has had the excitement and the optimism and like the the hope for the kind of run that makes a Florida uh, Florida State schedule or a college football season special. And uh, this is three years in a row now that we haven't left the month of September without just kind of more or less having the the season decapitated and watching. Uh, you know, watching the pieces kind of fall where they may as as we finish the the rest of the season and seemingly the rest of the college football world goes on and strives for bigger and better things. You're exactly right. I mean, this is 
people are like, people are like I can't believe the season is done in September. I was like, uh, it was kind of done in September when when your team quit on you at Louisville and you lost sixty three to twenty, and it could have been a hundred to twenty. Literally, I mean, Louisville probably could have scored 100 that day. I mean, they, they shut it down. Sure. Like, could have coasted to 80. I mean, that much yeah, is for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like Florida State was all of a sudden going to put up any kind of resistance in, in, in that ball game. Um, so, you know, you got that. That's that's troubling. Um, and then last year, obviously, you, you lose you lose Francois early. I still think that – it's just hard to tell how the season was going to go, but they were very clearly – cultural problems going on and coaches quitting on the team in the middle of the season and then players quitting on the coaches after that. Uh, and you lose Francois early and then this year. So you're right, man, this, this fan base is just waiting to go off on something positive, you know? And I, I, I know we had that discussion in the preseason, like the, the need to separate long-term excitement for this program from short-term reality. And uh, like that didn't really happen. I think for for a lot of folks, and I feel for them, man. Like they, you know, they they spend their Saturdays going to watch this product, and it's not fun right now. You know, like it. it if I wasn't a lifelong Noel, if I didn't get paid to cover this too, I probably wouldn't watch these games live. I'd probably just DVR them and, and, and check them out later. You know, like I definitely wouldn't wouldn't spend my whole Saturday. I mean, on. I would I would but, certainly still listen to all my favorite Florida State podcasts, but uh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, let's you know, let's be real. Well, I I don't think people are going to quit listening because I've seen this I'm seeing this movie three years in a row, and our numbers are good. And I do sometimes think about how damn good they'd be if this team actually had something to play for come November. Uh, you know, in the last three seasons, but we we love our, our loyal listeners, no doubt, and they're that's why Florida State has has the great potential they have. Because they do have so many loyal supporters, right? They have great fans a, and a lot of It's a them. massive fan base. It really is. Uh, it, and it's uh, one of the larger fan bases in college football. And, you know, we're proud of our product. And we try to turn a turn a good podcast in every time we do one of these. But uh, our popularity is largely tied to the fact that Florida State has a, uh, a giant fan base and a particularly massive uh, electronic fan base. So um, we'll just be honest with that and and I'm not trying to take away from anything that Willie Taggart did during the offseason there's is I don't think there was any way that anybody could have done uh, a better job of connecting with the fan base and ingratiating uh, himself into it but a lot of I think a lot of that um, excitement uh, was certainly tied to Taggart but it was also just kind of pent up excitement that has existed within this program for a couple of years now and is is uh, waiting to come to the surface, and that's uh, that's going to have to be uh, 2019 at the earliest at this point. So uh, interesting to see what uh, what Saturday brings and, and how the rest of the season plays out. But it uh, it certainly has a you know it's it's had a pretty pretty significant ceiling put on it so far. It has, man. Very disappointing. Although I will tell you this, uh, I'm not really sure that even if Florida State lived up to its potential this year. That, that there wouldn't have been some dampening of expectations because of the fact that Bama has Tua. And this is not totally FSU-related, but, uh, uh, man. Well, have you seen there, these, there these, may these be odds a, a national, the national championship need. game? Yeah, there may be a national yeah. need to damper expectations, I, I think is what we're saying. And uh, Alabama's been Alabama for 10 years now. Uh, the one missing component has been a quarterback and not only do they have a really good quarterback, they've got a quarterback that can beat you with his arm, beat you with his mind, beat you with his legs. Uh, that's that's a nasty combination that's uh, that's seemingly come together in Tuscaloosa right now. 
So in my inbox this morning, the Golden Nugget sent me these lines uh, for the national championship game matchups. And obviously, there's only action on these bets if that the stacks end up being the matchup. But the games are in Santa Clara, which is where the 49ers play. So it's not as if there's some kind of home field advantage that's going to happen here. Bama minus nine and a half against Ohio State, 10 and a half against Georgia, 11 and a half against Clemson, and 14 and a half against Oklahoma. Dude, that that's not normal. Yeah. So Bama's a double-digit favorite, basically, against the country. Against the country. On a neutral site. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I took my power numbers this morning, right? And I, I you know, as you all know, if you follow me in explanation, I always try to hit the opening lines as, as, as much as I can uh, right when they come out to find the good value. And I, I took my power numbers this morning. I was like, all right, can I get there? Like, is there any way that I can – like make these numbers make sense. And at the end of the day, I, I concluded that no, I can't. Like there just seems to be an overwhelming like Bama tax you have to pay if you want to bet this team right now, uh, which might create value on the other side, by the way, especially if a certain team from, I don't know, College Station wants to play super slow this weekend and maybe limit possessions like at an excruciating level. Uh, but these numbers are inflated by like almost a field goal, and yet it's hard to go against it because they've they they had what sixty two unanswered points last weekend against, against Ole Miss. It's uh, it's a machine. Like, like, and, who does that on the road downhill. in a conference game? They're going to be they're legitimately going to be a five touchdown favorite in a conference road game against somebody not named Vanderbilt. They they go to Arkansas in two weeks. This weekend, Arkansas is a thirty point dog at Auburn. Now, look, I know this is a game in Arkansas, not in Auburn. But, man, Bama's definitely a touchdown better than, than Auburn on a neutral site. I mean, clearly, you just look at these lines. They might be like a 37-point favorite in Fayetteville. This is stuff we've just never seen in our lifetime, man. This, this is not stuff that you see. Uh, and and through three games, I mean, they look like the most dominant team ever. Literally. Now, I don't know if they'll hold on to be that. I kind of doubt it. But, jeez. Well, that's troubling. Yeah, it is troubling. It's just something that is uh, it will be fun to watch play out. And Tua, yeah, I mean, I, the other thing is, I think we all kind of knew this was coming. Uh, you know, if you watch the uh, national championship game, you could think, well, that's kind of a one-off or anything else. But uh, if you're somebody that followed recruiting or knew this kid, uh, he had a lot of confidence that this might might look what the you know this may be what the product looks like on field, and it's it's uh, very much come to fruition. So uh, get the feeling that everybody's playing for second for uh, this year, maybe next, and who knows, maybe maybe even an additional year. So, uh, Bud, when we we know with the new redshirt rule, we should probably like force him to actually leave. I was gonna like, say. like he's not allowed to stay. I was going to say if we're if we're sitting here talking about maybe even an additional year, we probably need to uh, look at the redshirt rule and see how that is something that we've kind of talked about throughout the year and kind of tried to p- keep people informed. This is obviously a new wrinkle in college football, and anytime you have a rule introduced, there's going to be um, kind of side effects and unintended side effects and then also some things that maybe aren't as easily projectable uh in retrospect maybe we should have uh looked at this and and seen that this might facilitate a a few more in-season transfers than that of which we've we've seen previously no doubt so 
I don't know if you saw this today, but Nate Craig Myers of Auburn transferred out, and uh, and, and look, looks like he's going to go somewhere. Former five star, four star receiver out of Tampa. And I don't know if Florida State's interested. Obviously, they have uh, other concerns on this roster other than receiver. But I do think you're going to see a wave of, of guys transferring out after week three, after week four, because they don't they don't want, you, know, you can still take a red shirt now, right? If you don't play in those four games. Um, so that, that, that's going to be something to watch here. I'm, I'm very excited to see that. I also wonder if there won't be some uh, benchings of maybe some quarterbacks or other players nationally who got to play the first four games because they're not that much better than their, their other guys. But if you had benched them, maybe you lose them. And then nobody wants to be like Nebraska where you only have one scholarship quarterback on your roster. You know, uh, So that, that could be something to watch there, certainly. Absolutely. We've mentioned Nick, Nate Craig Myers, and it's worth uh, pointing out real quickly that Florida State lost a, a kid of its own. Uh, Calvin Bruton left the program today, so, uh, either today or yesterday, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he got out today, and uh, hopefully he can go find some playing time uh, somewhere. I've always liked Calvin. Super nice kid, and, and I wish him well, man. Real good dude. Yeah, really talented kid and a guy that uh, you kept thinking was uh, – going to merge and just for one reason or another didn't didn't work out here at uh, florida state and by no means does that mean that uh he doesn't have potential to go play very meaningful ball somewhere else so uh best of luck to him and something we'll uh keep an eye on um but i think this may uh may bring about an end to our uh niu preview here it's uh hopefully we've given people an idea as to what to look for like we said it's uh you know, these two teams kind of mirror each other as far as weaknesses and strengths and uh, just be interesting to see how each uh, opponent, you know, each uh, opposing unit does uh, matching up with with one that's either significantly uh, better than them statistically or, or way, way worse. And uh, all things considered, hopefully we're looking at uh, two and two next weekend and look forward to the uh, instant reaction podcast you do uh, one way or another. Oh, yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, five to, five star on iTunes if you guys feel comfortable doing so. Any kind of uh, feedback uh, on the podcast is always appreciated. Uh, support of our uh, support of our sponsors on social media is uh, probably the best way to support the podcast. And uh, guys, until next time, this has been uh, another Nolcast. Thank you very much.